0: Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day
1: Insider from the Dallas Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on?
2: I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday.
1: And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast.
0: And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference.
2: Guys, can we get the show started? Well, let's do it. Here we go, sports fans. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant.
0: Hello, Evan. Hello, Kevin. It's my new radio voice. Is that your new
2: radio voice? Yeah, you like that one. Uh,
0: listen, uh, Evan, are, are you still in in Boston? What's going on? No, I have evacuated Boston. Um, you I, evacuated. Uh, I got out. Uh, yesterday after the uh, walk-off Grand Slam and was evacuated to Connecticut um, for uh, two days of uh, rest, relaxation, and um, hurricane um, evaluation. And, and who are you staying with there? Well, I'm visiting my good friend Nancy Nichols here. Nancy Nichols, and does she have a uh, a pet there? Yes, yeah, she does. She has a cat named Mister, and that Mister that? does like to... Um, just come and sit on my lap occasionally. So it's it's, it's, it's quite the appearance. Was, here comes Mr. Right Now. It's a good thing that it's an audio-only podcast. Um, but yes, I, uh, I, I felt like it, I needed to get out of Boston uh, yesterday um, after the events of the last weekend, which involved, a tropical storm, a covid breakout and of course a walk-off grand slam loss in extra innings for the rangers.
2: Yes, uh three three natural disasters, a tropical storm, uh covid and the Texas Rangers. Uh I think those are I'm not even sure what order those three are in, but the uh the Rangers were right up there in that.
0: They are. There's no doubt about that. It's just I uh, you know, it's it's a I, I hate saying this, but it's just a team that's full of guys who really aren't major leaguers. You know, I, I looked around the lineup the other day and there were three three or four guys either on the field or on the roster that I feel like, okay, they could be potentially a part of something going forward here. And I don't know if it's going to be going forward to the point of when this team contends again or simply holding spaces until this team does go out and get um, – uh, more accomplished players. Uh, Chris Young said yesterday that this team will be active in free agency, and I believe him. They've only got eight million dollars uh, committed to next year, but there's a difference in being active in free agency and actually winning free agents, and that's going to be a real challenge for the Rangers because right now they don't have a team uh, that will contend. Somebody's going to have to come in here for at least a year and think that they're going to that they're going to help build something, but they aren't going to be immediate winners and there's going to be a lot of other teams out there that are searching for those same kinds of guys.
2: Yeah. uh, It's a mess. There's no question about that. Uh, I I want us to talk about uh, the Rangers uh, from a a talent standpoint going forward. Uh, But first I want to talk about uh, kind of the, the the mess that the Rangers and the Cowboys have have been in the last uh, few days in particular. Uh, I think it's uh, striking that the two professional franchises that are are participating in in sports right now from uh, the North Texas area have both made headlines uh, for players uh, under COVID protocols, uh, the Rangers and the Cowboys, both Uh, The Cowboys went into that game, uh, that preseason game Saturday uh, uh, and didn't have their defensive coordinator and didn't have one of their defensive linemen. uh, And they have since, uh, had, uh, three more players, uh, go under protocols, uh, and they expect them to be out several days. Um, the Cowboys have a, a pretty high rate of vaccination. Uh, they have a hundred percent of their staff and they have, uh, believe it's 93%, or at least when we last heard, uh, of the, uh, of the football roster, um, that was, that comes to 80 of 86 players, um. As we know from uh, what uh, COVID has uh, done so far in this new variant, the Delta variant, uh, you can be fully vaccinated and still get it, uh, and you can carry it and give it to somebody else. Um, you can have mild symptoms. Uh, from the numbers that I've seen, and for the most part, uh, the people who have, are fully vaccinated uh, may have mild symptoms, not even know it, uh, may be even in some rare cases hospitalized. Uh, but uh, you're far better off having gotten the vaccine uh, than, than not. Uh, and that's what uh, the, all the message has been. If you have not been vaccinated, you may have skirted the first version of COVID-19, but you will get this one. Uh, this one is just far more uh, infectious than the first strain that, that passed through the country and makes this a very difficult time. You know, I, I've written about this a couple of times, Evan, about athletes, and, uh, and COVID, and their ideas about what, uh, you know, we hear a lot from the NFL players. Cole Beasley has been kind of a focal point, former Cowboy wide receiver, now playing for the Buffalo Bills from Little Elm uh, and played also at SMU, uh, saying that, well, uh, I'm not anti-vaccine, I'm not pro-vaccine, I'm pro-choice, and uh, I don't think that we've been given enough information and uh, we're being forced to do things uh, because the clubs want to make money, uh, which I can't argue with that. Obviously, the clubs want to make money. Uh, uh, the players should want to make money. And one of the ways you make money is by being on the field uh, and playing. Uh, and uh, I, I have to say, I'm siding with Michael Irvin. I'm siding with uh, Deion Sanders, who very eloquently said, um, you know, you, 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 you
0: can't win if you're not in. I think he also said he wants a chance to dominate and that, you know, his chance to dominate comes through having everybody available. Exactly. Uh, you know, now if, uh, it's like Michael, Michael Irvin said this a couple of weeks ago,
2: if, if uh, you know, if you're in the protocol um, you might miss up to five days and that's if you've been vaccinated, if you have not been vaccinated uh, and you show symptoms you might miss up to 10 days or more and who knows what, what could happen to you at that point. Uh, Then you're having a real impact on your team, uh, yourself and your team as well. Uh, And this is what Michael Irvin said. And I agree with him. He said, uh, he thinks it's a, it's selfish. If you're a team, you're supposed to be a team. Everybody's in this together and we're here for a common purpose. And if uh, you know, it's in his mind, it's the same thing as if, if you're working out, you're supposed to be working out every day, right? You're supposed to be, committed to this team. You're supposed to do everything you can to make yourself as physically fit as possible. And, and passing on the vaccine, frankly, to me is just not, doesn't fit with that,
0: you know? Well, I I mean, I think the whole concept of vaccine in general is, and I don't want to make this a PSA on the COVID vaccine. um, But the whole concept is, is a team, is that we're all a team and we're fighting one common enemy virus and the way to eradicate the virus is for everybody to get the vaccine. And people haven't bought into that um, for whatever reasons they have chosen not to. Um, I think in a lot of cases, uh, there's some uh, there's some reasons that people are finding not to get the vaccine. Um, for whatever reason, you know, the last thing we had heard is that well, it hadn't been FDA approved and now it is FDA approved. So now what's going to be the difference in, in a case like Cole Beasley and athletes who, who, who talk about this stuff about not enough information, especially a football player. My question to Cole Beasley would be, I, dude, I'm sure you've been given Toradol for some pain on the field. I'm sure you've been given Percocet. I'm sure you've, you've, you've taken injections. Do you know what all is involved in that? Do you know what the long-term risks of of those kinds of anti-inflammatories and pain meds are? Um, and, and so, I, but getting involved in discourse with people doesn't seem to to go anywhere. What I know is this, that on the in the Rangers case, there are five players as of yesterday who were either in protocols or who had been pulled out of the lineup. Jonah Heim was pulled out late um, at a precautions I was not told that he was in the protocol as of yet but of the four players who were in the protocol three had announced that they had received vaccines one had not uh, did not d- indicate whether or not he had and and it's you know it's it's some it's, um, it's all up to the players on whether or not they want to uh, to announce that so um, I, if you don't get the vaccine, I think what we're looking at right now is that the you're looking at doorways. And if you get the vaccine, you've basically got a screen door on keeping the the virus out of your locker room or clubhouse. If you don't have the vaccine, it's an open door. And it then affects your teammates. It affects your, um, your ability to win. And it affects the, the you know, the overall product on the field. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's a team sport, Kevin, and and this is a team concept, and I I just it, it's hard for me to kind of grasp where we're at, but I think we've just gotten to the point. We were slow enough on the on the initial vaccine uptake that here we are with the Delta variant, and it, it's too late to change any of that. We're going to be living with this for a while, um, in terms of players going in and out of of. Uh, of the protocols and the best thing you can do for your teammates now is, is get the vaccine so that uh, if you do test positive, hopefully your symptoms are, are more mild and you are back quicker.
2: Yeah, I think that's the, the thing for me in the end of all this. You, we can take all the, uh, uh, you know, we can debate all day long about whether uh, these, you know, the, the vaccine is you know, good, bad, whatever you want to say about it. Uh, and obviously my, my opinions have been, uh, uh are pretty well known. I, I'm, I'm for the vaccine. I, I got the vaccination as soon as I could. I thanked the person who gave me the shots. I almost cried when I did. Uh, I was very happy that that had happened for me. Uh, I had very real concerns uh, about my health and future and, and the people, uh, that, that I love. Uh, but, but here's the thing that everybody needs to remember, no matter what you think about it, uh, the facts are, and you just touched on this. It's not over. You know, everybody wants to think that we're now we're back to normal, uh, full stadiums. I'm out. I'm out at the uh, at Jerry world on Saturday and every shot of that crowd. I saw maybe a 10th a, a of, of people wearing masks. We had to wear a mask in the press box, you know, <laughs> but, but not out in the crowd. Uh, and so it's, it's an amazing thing to me to see this develop. And people want to believe that, that life is back to normal. Life is not back to normal, and it's not going to be now, apparently, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so I think we need to be braced for that uh, and, and what's going to happen here, and people are going to take tougher stances. We've seen college conferences take the attitude that uh, if you uh, if you don't have enough players available, we're not postponing games. You're forfeiting that game. You, know, you have lost that game going forward, and this just goes back to everything we were just talking about people are taking a little bit of a tougher stance here with all of this. And, and they're going to start doing this because there are repercussions for not being vaccinated and they go and they go beyond your health and the health of the people that you love. So this is going to be an issue uh, for a a long time, unfortunately. And I think it might be an issue for, for years,
0: uh, frankly. Well, we've got, We've got two new variants on the horizon, um, at least two, uh, ADA and Lambda is what I, is what I read. They were named, um, and there are differing opinions on just how communicable those are. So, yeah, I mean, this is the, we failed on the, um, on the chance to, to get everybody, uh, vaccinated to a point where, um, uh, where the virus wouldn't be able to mutate and con- continually kind of evade our um, our protections against it and because of it this is where we are and we're going live we're, we're going to live with it the I, I think um, again I, I don't want to make this a Psa but you know if, if players are vaccinated and if, if fans are vaccinated their chances of passing it on to others um are, are, are limited and their their chances of, of getting sicker are limited. And, you know, if that if, if what fans need to know is translates to players being on the field is going to help their teams win, um, then this is potentially going to impact teams ability to win. Simple as that.
2: Yes, it is. All right. Uh, so that is. I know you kept saying it was not a PSA, but it was a PSA. Uh, and so you know, we we offer opinions on things, and and sometimes we step outside our sports boundaries, and people tell us to stay inside them. Well, these things have intruded on our sports uh, that we write about for a living, and so therefore, I think it gave us uh, fair grounds uh, to c- talk about that. All right, uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about the the Rangers and you and you and you broached that subject just a minute ago, Evan, about uh, where are they going to be. Uh, so uh, I want you to go ahead and pick up where you left off with that.
0: Well, I, I just think you know they they know they've got a lot of work to do, and and they know that they've they're going to have to go out and, and attract other players. Um, and I, <clears throat> I think that they're going to make their best effort this this winter. Um, but it's going to take more than just this winter. Um, and it is, it's going to take more than just what the Rangers feel is, is fair market value. I think, I think the tax that comes due on, you know, saving payroll and putting a non-competitive team on the field is you're going to have to money whip somebody in order to get them to come to you instead of going to a contender or, um, for less than for for less dollars, and so that's what that's what the Rangers are up against. Um, I think they they're in a good position where it comes to going after one of these franchise shortstops. Only because I feel like there aren't um, <clears throat> there aren't a ton of teams searching for shortstops this year, and and you know I think that that Trevor Story is a good fit for the Rangers. I think Carlos Correa could also be a good fit for the Rangers. Um, and so, the, and, and to some extent, so could Corey Seager. So <clears throat> there is there is opportunity there, but that but a shortstop alone is not going to fix what ails this team. Um, I, there's not an answer at second base right now that, that that's that's been definitive. Uh, you would think Josh Young will have a chance to win the third base job next year. Uh, the outfield right now, I can't say that I look at the outfield and there is. Um, anybody that I feel like is a long term answer there. Adolis Garcia had a very nice first half, but does he profile as a as an everyday outfielder on a championship club? I think a little bit.
2: And here's the thing I think about Adolis. You know, yes, he's striking out at at a forty percent clip, which is just outrageous. Uh, but uh, what he does bring to you otherwise, he's still a, a, an excellent outfielder, great arm. Uh, covers a lot of ground uh, saves runs. Uh, it's a little bit like the Joey Gallo uh, model, frankly. Uh, and um, I think that there's always room for that at the price that Adolis is going to, is going to take, you know, uh, whether, whether that means that Adolis is still one of their outfielders in 2023 or 2024, which frankly, I think that whole thing has been pushed back a little ways. Uh, I think, you know, Maybe not. Uh, probably not. But a- having said that, I do think that the Rangers have one answer, at least for the next couple of years in Ndolas Garcia. I think he presents a lot of the things that Joey Gallo did, uh, and I think that's good enough for the price that they're paying
0: him. Oh, uh, 100%. I mean, he, the, the deal is I'm, I'm talking about the championship version of the Rangers. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and- that's, that's that's like 10 years from now anyway. I don't even think those
2: players have been born yet.
0: Well, I mean, I if they if they think feel like their window will open in 24 or 25, you would still potentially have Adolis at arbitration so you'd still have him under control. Um the question is will he get better or or have we seen the best of Adolis Garcia? And and that that remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, I he's done enough this year. To certainly be in the plans for where they're going to be next year. Has he done enough for me to say, um, this is a a position that will be a part of a championship club? I'd I'd have to put the rest of the team together and see then how that fits. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, it's not promising. All right. Let's
2: talk a little bit about the Cowboys. Uh, As I said, I was out there on Saturday, Uh, basically spent a lot of my time watching the sideline for Dak to see what he was doing since, you know, the game was kind of, fairly meaningless.
0: I understand he had a great workout completing 51 of 52 passes with no defenders. That is correct. With no defenders. It it,
2: kind of reminded me of when the, you you go to these things, when the scouts would be out uh, and the, and the the players are working out for pro scouts, you know, college players are, I've been to those things, you know, they, everybody's counting how many passes they throw and how many they complete. And it's like, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I think even I would be pretty good in that kind of situation. So,
0: um, but you know, I, I do think that next year, though, this will influence my Rangers spring training coverage. When guys throw bullpens, I will, I will say that eight pitchers threw uh, two <laughs> shutout innings in bullpens.
2: I think that's the way to go. Uh, you know, Michael Gelkin was the one counting those, by the way, our own Michael Gelkin was in, in his, and his, his fine work now has spread all over the nation that he counted those 52. Passes. God bless him. <laughs> No kidding. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, I, I think that uh, the Cowboys look a lot better defensively uh, than they than they have been. Of course, that's not saying a lot. They were terrible last year, and they were just mediocre the year before that. Uh, so I, I think they had some potential to be uh, pretty good here. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think it's interesting the fact that the two linebackers that they drafted high, uh, one uh, Leighton Vanderish in the first round, and two, Jalen Smith in the second round when he shouldn't have been taken there because he had that catastrophic injury uh, while he was still at Notre Dame. Uh, They are now the least of the Cowboys linebackers. Uh, We have uh, seen uh, Micah Parsons make a bold move to the front of the pack here, the first-round pick this year. Keanu Neal, the uh, former safety that Dan Quinn brought with him from Atlanta, uh, is probably number two. And now Jabril Cox – who was a fourth round pick uh, of the Cowboys this year out of LSU. Uh, He's put himself in the mix. Uh, So it's interesting that they certainly spent a lot of money on Jalen Smith. And I think what we're going to end up seeing here is that my prediction is that in two years, neither one of those guys is going to be with the team. Yes, sir. But I have a question.
0: Um, That's all good. That's all well and good. But. Do we see the Cowboys as having a quarterback who's got something of a shoulder issue and the Cowboys as being a team that might not have a backup quarterback? You know, it's interesting about this uh that would uh, see it, you, just, that's a yes or no question. Well,
2: hey, I, I listen, I'm not on a witness stand yes, here. You are. You're you're not I, a DA. You can't I, say that to me. I can answer this any way I want to answer
0: But it. my 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 what I want to know is, if that is the issue, then don't we have an issue here with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, there, there are people who
2: will say that there is an issue uh, with uh, Dak's uh, future. You know, Adam Schefter reported uh, last week. Well, he didn't really report this. That's what made it all really kind of crazy. Mike Florio with Pro Football Talk said that in a conversation with uh, Schefter that he s- said that the, this could be a lingering issue all year long with Dak Prescott did not say his shoulder was, did not say his ankle was just said that his, his injuries could be a lingering issue all year long, which goes against the reporting of everybody on the ground out there in Frisco who says that, listen, the guy had a a strain. Uh, This kind of thing usually takes two weeks, to get over the Cowboys consulted with the Rangers about this sort of thing. And they, because
0: if there's one team that knows pitching injuries, (laughs) it's the Rangers.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I I don't have any reason to believe that either the ankle or the shoulder would be lingering issues if they take care of it. You know, if they had kept him out there and throwing a lot in practice, then yeah, I could see that being a lingering issue uh, for, for him with his shoulder. I was told by someone just the other day, uh, that yeah, that Jerry is concerned. Um, but, you know, uh, that might just be Jerry. Uh, he's not a doctor. Uh, he might be told by people that everything's going to be fine. I, I do think that usually Jerry's extremely optimistic and, and and to his own detriment and to the detriment of his organization. He's too optimistic.
0: And, again, this, this, these are not apples to apples or oranges to oranges, but we are talking about the same injury and we're talking about throwing the ball. Um, Demarcus Evans had a lat strain for the Rangers over the winter. Um and it's impacted them all year. Now, you know, is that going to be throwing the ball as many times as a pitcher does? Maybe not. But I do think that there is reason to be concerned when you're talking about a shoulder. Injury. Oh, I think,
2: I think there is. You know, uh, I think we'll see what happens. You know, we know that the Cowboys are not effective when they're throwing the ball 50 times a game. Uh, they're better off. When when Zeke Elliott is uh, is plays a large part in the in the offense and they're running the ball, it's better for the defense. It's better for the team as a whole. That's the way it was built. Uh, it's a little different now from the original uh, iteration of the Cowboys, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see where that goes from now. But yeah, I think it is. It can be an issue. Uh, could be an issue. Let us say that. And I, I think that uh, you know the backup quarterback uh situation last year was much better andy dalton was a much more accomplished quarterback and what did that do for the cowboys nothing you know they didn't win any more games with andy dalton out there and they're going to win now uh this team had a, a, of course had a lot of issues last year too uh to me to me the problem with the backup quarterback situation with the cowboys is like it is in, with most teams in the nfl except for the new orleans saints who uh we have a, a, a guy who's pretty much an offensive genius there as the head coach, Sean Payton. And he decided he wanted a guy like Taysom Hill as his backup quarterback, a guy who did a little bit of everything. He's a Swiss Army knife of football players. Uh, now, I'm not saying he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, but boy, they got a lot of mileage out of that position, didn't they? Yeah. Instead of just having guys that are just sitting back there with a clipboard, waiting for something to happen, you put them in, they
0: don't win, and then they go back to
2: their holding the clipboard on the sideline.
0: I agree. Um, you know the backup quarterbacks have, have uh, I, the difference with taysom Hill is that there were things he could do well um, on a field right as, as opposed to oh, absolutely as opposed to a backup quarterback who may not move well or who may be a quote unquote good game manager and the Cowboys last year with their defense being as poor as it was, they, they needed something better than a game manager. They, they, they needed a guy who could move the football up and down the field. Now this year with a defense that's better, maybe they can control the game a little bit more. Maybe maybe that makes it um, maybe it makes it a little bit less uh, desperate of a need if if they have to go to a backup quarterback. But yeah, I, I think that that what Sean Payton did is look at a, a a problem and find a creative answer. And I think that this is what teams that create competitive advantages do for themselves. They stop looking at things and saying well, we've all got to have a backup quarterback who can do this. Well, let's go find somebody who can do something completely different and that may add a different wrinkle to our offense. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. All right,
2: uh, let, let's talk about uh, uh, the uh, college scene here a little bit uh, now that we've talked about the Rangers and Cowboys. Uh, the uh, A story came out as we're taping this. It's Tuesday morning uh, that uh, Tuesday afternoon, the Pac-12 – The ACC and the Big Ten were going to announce an alliance. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what they're going to call it. It is not a merger. uh, It does not mean that those three uh, conferences will now combine to uh, go up against the dreaded SEC. It means that they have formed a philosophical academic alliance that is probably the groundwork for something when the next round of TV contracts Come up, And that's going to be very soon in the next couple of years. So uh, what that means is that there is a framework for something to happen there with those uh, three leagues. And if you notice, I did not mention the Big 12. Uh, Bob Bowlesby had met uh, with the new Pac-12 commissioner about a month ago, I believe it was. And I'm sure Bob was feeling very optimistic about those talks. Uh, nothing came of that. And then shortly after uh, the we heard about talks between uh, these three conferences, and and now that's going somewhere. Uh, it's not a good sign for the Big Twelve um, because what's going to happen here now is that if the Big Twelve is going to try to get back to ten uh, after Texas and OU leave, um, now its targets are smaller. Now now we're talking about them adding somebody pirating someone from let's say the AAC, the American Athletic Conference.
0: Oh, I think they'd have to go below that. I think right now the AAC feels like they're on the same par with the Big 12. Um I think if you're if you're looking if you're the Big 12 and you're looking to to pirate somebody, I think you've probably got to go down probably maybe to the Sun Belt. You know, you've got to be looking at um uh, maybe a, a Louisiana or a Georgia state or a North Texas. That's, that's basically where you're, where you're looking. And I don't know that that moves the needle for anybody.
2: That's not moving any needles. No, it's not. You're right. The a, the AAC does feel like at this point without Texas and OU, uh, the AAC can certainly make the case that they're every bit as good as the big 12, if not better. Uh, and if you were already in a bigger league, uh, why would you go to one that only had eight teams in it uh, when and it always seems like it is on the verge of, of collapsing further? Um, I've talked to people who, who feel like uh, that the future in the Big 12, it, it, obviously the immediate future is still good. I mean, this year and next year, the, the contract runs through 2025, not the football season, but through the 2024 football season and then the the summer of 2025. uh, That's still $28 million a year getting TV revenue. That's still a lot more than the AAC is getting. But these are, you know, uh, this is money that has an end. Uh, It's out there in two years. I don't know that the Big 12 is going to be able to forge any kind of contract uh, in 2025. Once this is over without Texas and OU and with this and with just an eight team league, I would think that the future at that point, um, I I just don't see it. I don't don't see Texas Tech uh, and TCU and Baylor saying, well, we'll just stick with these eight teams and and we'll see what happens. I think they're all out there right now, all trying to find a future outside of this league. Uh, That's what they want. Uh, I think this alliance between the Pac-12, the uh, ACC, and the Big Ten is a very bad sign for those schools that are trying to get out of the Big 12.
0: I think it's a bad sign for those schools that are trying to get out of the Big 12 because they're not attractive to those other conferences, but I don't see, like, the, the th- uh, somebody's going to have to explain to me how the, the three-conference alliance is going is going to work. But it's it's too many schools for me to, to see a workable solution. And it, 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 essentially, it's like, and the a the the ACC teams would maybe play two non conference games against one a Pac twelve team and one a Big Ten team. And if that's what it is, that's what it is. I I just think that the yeah the writing is on the wall here for the Big Twelve. Listen, the the Big Eight and the Southwest Conference were extreme regional conferences, right? Um, and that was that got to a point where that really no longer worked. Then it became the big 12 and it was a little bit larger of a, of a geographical footprint and that no longer works. And, and so this is, they're going to have to do away with the whole idea of geographical, um, of of some kind of geographical Alliance. It's going to have to be a creative look at picking the best up and coming programs around the country. The, the, the Boise States, um, and those types of schools, if they're gonna, if if this group is gonna ever return to prominence,
2: well, it's not returning to prominence. And I don't, and I and I disagree with that, Evan. I, I don't believe that's the answer. We look at the SEC. One of the things that makes it as great as it is is that that is firmly entrenched in the old South, Deep South. So that that is uh, uh, you. You have to. You're going to play other sports besides football. You got to have something where you're, you're not spending you know thousands and tens of thousands of dollars just getting your volleyball team you know to uh to games back and forth the problem in texas has always been with the southwest conference and it was with the big 12 as well too many schools from one state uh even even as great as as football is in texas that's too many you know and, and frankly uh schools like Baylor TCU Houston Rice you know Texas Tech they all were a little bit along for the ride I- I here uh and and for all these years, and they benefited from this, uh, and 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 I, you know, I, I say that as a, as a U of H alum. I didn't go to Texas, but Texas did pull these schools along with them all these years. They res- Texas resented that, and and now Texas says this is why one of the reasons why one of the primary reasons why Texas went to the SEC. Now, talk about like minded institutions. You know, they're going to be on a par with all the rest of these. Schools now, they're not going to be able to throw their weight around like they did here in the Big Twelve and in the old SWC. They're going to they're going to have to just you know go along with everybody else now. They may be happy to do that at this point. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, It's going to be very difficult for Texas uh, going forward in the in the big uh, in the SEC, just like it was for A and M. And Texas does not have the benefit of a Johnny Manziel to to ease them into the transition. Uh, we'll see what Steve Sarkeesian does uh, with that. Uh, I'd like to also update a stat I gave y'all last week. I was wrong when I said in the history uh, of the AP poll that Texas, Oklahoma, and AM had finished in the top 10 simultaneously in the same year only a handful of times. It was actually zero times. There's never been a time that those three teams, uh, three programs have finished in the top 10 at the same time. What I was referring to, and I'd forgotten this, was that there was only a handful of times they finished in the top twenty-five all at the same time. Um, So it's very difficult to sustain that kind of uh, effort. And and let me tell you something: Texas A&M and Oklahoma both have great coaches, and they got the programs headed in the right directions. This is going to be very, very difficult for Texas going forward. I agree. Thanks very much, Evan, for uh, agreeing with that. Uh, you're the best. So I think that's going to wrap up our uh, podcast this week. Our old pal, David Moore, wasn't with us. I guess we didn't even touch on the fact that uh, he was, uh, he's working. Uh, Wait, Cowboys. David wasn't here? Yeah. We're going to get the schedule worked out. Uh, the Cowboys will be back to a regular schedule, except for the opener against Tampa Bay when they open on Thursday night. But uh, the Cowboys won't, will be off on Tuesdays, and David can sit in on our podcast and – offer all kinds of incisive and uh, profound observations about the Cowboys organization.
0: Very good. <laughs> we have anything else? Or was that your goodbye? That's it. You know, say goodbye, to, say goodbye to the cat, mister.
2: Well, that wraps up another episode of sports day insider. Is it over already? Well, Evan, all good. Good
1: things come to an end, I suppose. The show is produced by Jeff Whittington. And presented by the Dallas Morning News. Our theme song is by Dallas' own John
2: Dufalo. Don't forget to follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your quality podcasts.
0: You'll never miss a Sports Day Insider episode, and you'll discover some other great shows. And if you
1: liked what you heard, please rate the Dallas Morning News feed and give us a review. It helps us reach other sports fans and news junkies.
2: Learn more about this show and other shows at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also
0: find special Dallas Morning News subscription rates just for listeners.
1: Thanks again for listening.
0: We'll see you back here next week.